Hey guys, what's going on? It's Zach, back at it again with the Heretics on Box Daemonicus. Hope you guys are doing good. I know it's been about a day since I talked to you, and I want to say just out of the gate that I am 100% not going to maintain this cadence for episodes. It's not going to be an everyday kind of thing, unfortunately, but I was excited from recording yesterday and getting a little bit of feedback from friends, and I wanted to hop right back into it. So here we are. So today on a very special episode of Vox Daemonicus, we're going to do what I'm hilariously calling State of the Disunion. Disunion, because despite sharing the keyword, most of the Chaos factions don't really play too nicely with each other in the lore. Basically, what I want to talk about today is the overall state of the super faction of Chaos as it stands. I'm going to hit each of the major sub-factions and give my impressions of their overall standings in the competitive meta, and then how they might do in the future. To clarify, when I say sub-factions, what I'm talking about is each Chaos keyword faction has its own codex. That's the big part. It's got to have its own codex to make it into the show today. So, I won't be diving headlong into the different varieties of Chaos Space Marine Legions, for example, today, unfortunately. However, I do definitely plan to do this in the future episodes. You know, there's like eight legions of Chaos Space Marines, and so it is a sub-faction that is ripe for deep dive material moving forward definitely look forward to that we'll also have some guests on here in the future that are already you know coming out of the woodwork to talk about this stuff um yeah and so that's kind of uh, our uh, boat lane right now for this episode um i do also want to touch uh on some standout units for each codex as well um having had said that as we do get new codices i'm going to do a deep dive series on each of them for now i'm probably going to skip death guard uh you know, at the time of recording, Death Guard has already been hit pretty heavily. Uh, they got a new codex just a couple of months ago, and every other podcast about 40k has gone into detail. So there's plenty of content out there, and plenty of uh, lists for you to peruse through. I am going to cover them today, but I'm not going to do a deep dive later on on them. You know, as we get like a Demons Codex, a Chaos Knights Codex, Thousand Suns, Chaos Space Marines, etc. Um, you know, I'll do a deep dive on those. But Death Guard, we're probably just going to skip because, hey, that content's already out there. All right, so with that, let's get this bad boy rolling. So the first thing that we're going to cover today is Demons. Uh, so Demons currently actually have uh, a few strong builds, uh, most of which revolve around Exalted Demons, basically to run forward and smash face, so like your Keeper's Secrets and stuff like that, uh, and then also to do some psychic actions and sit there on objectives, uh, those being more specifically the quote-unquote unkillable Lord of Change, uh, who I have played with before, and he has died in literally every match that I brought him, so I'm not sure that he's actually unkillable. And the uh, Great Unclean one that you can give a four-up uh, Filno pain. Along with those greater demons, um, you know, it, it seems like uh, some Nurgle units are a big thing that people want to include, just the tar pit and stand on objectives. I'm going to talk about those uh, a little bit more here in a second. And, uh, you know, obviously, as we'll continue to find out throughout this episode, Soup seems to be the most powerful way um, to run these guys. Uh, I haven't touched on it yet, but when I say soup, I mean bringing units from different 
gods. So, keepers of secrets, great unclean ones, lord of change, exalted bloodthirsters, stuff like that. When we get down into the actual power armor boys, you know, your chaos space marines, that usually means mixing different legions. So having a detachment of world leaders and having a detachment of emperor's children in the same army. That's what we mean by soup. When I say something is pure, what I mean by that is it's only one sub-faction. So a pure list would be all keyword slanesh or all keyword iron warriors, if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. So like I said, you know, some of the big boys are really what demons are looking for and looking to run right now. And it's uh, actually uh, led to some good success. Uh, I got a good buddy here in Jacksonville that's been running demons and doing a good job with them. And, uh, you know, if you pay attention to the competitive meta, you'll see um, usually at least every GT will have one or maybe two or three people running demons and they tend to do well. So along with those big boys and girls, some of the other important models uh, that we should definitely touch on, uh, Beasts of Nurgle, those have been a pretty consistent inclusion in a ton of well-performing chaos lists over the past year. You know, I'll admit that I haven't actually used Beasts of Nurgle yet. I've known about that tech for about the entire time that it's been out, uh, just because of some of the guys I talked to sharing the info with me, but I still haven't used them. Um, so I don't really fully grasp their utility. You know, as an aside, I learn by doing. Uh, yeah, I can look at a stat sheet and see potential, but the actual in-game utility of a unit, that I need to like actually see and do for myself to really fully capture what their role is. Anyhow, like I said, I haven't actually used these guys and for a few reasons. One, they're really hard to find because guess what? Everyone fucking wants these bad boys, these beasts of Nurgle, because uh, they're great. And then two, they're also really expensive. Uh, they're like $35 pre-tax US for a single one. And it seems like most of the competitive lists that run this take like five to 10. So you do the math there and it's anywhere from a lot to a fuckload of money. Um, <laughs> but having said that, you know, I think they're worth it. Um, some of the things that they can do, you know, they can heroically intervene into combat, even though they're not characters. Uh, they're just, I think they're elite choices, but they can like heroically intervene. I think, I think it's six inches, but I could be wrong on that. Um, and then they can flip objectives. So, you know, moving out of phase and being durable in ninth edition, that's a combo made in heaven. Basically these guys get on to an objective outside of your turn, flip it like basically taking it from the enemy by killing them because these guys actually can hit pretty decently. Um, and then they just stay there. Like I said, they're Nurgle. So you know that they're going to be a little bit more resilient than your average shit. Uh, and so they hang out there and you've either got to shoot them and waste a ton of firepower on them, which enables the rest of your army to do stuff. Or those guys are going to stay on the objective, like I said, and just keep scoring your primary points, which is a big thumbs up in this guy's opinion. So aside from Beasts of Nurgle, Nurglings have also been a mainstay uh, for a couple of reasons. They're not as sexy as the Beasts of Nurgle. Not that those are really sexy, but I think you know what I mean. Um, but honestly, they're just really, really cheap, objective secured troops that can deploy outside of your deployment zone. Plus they've got a five up invuln and a five up feel no pain against damage one weapons. And that, my friends, is surprisingly more durable than it sounds. Uh, we got a guy that plays Nurgle Demons here in Jacksonville named, named Dave. 
And when people start rolling hot dice like that, uh, I call it rolling Dave dice because that boy, it is really hard to move his nerglings off of the board once you start shooting at him. I will say that they did go from 18 to 22 points of base recently, but honestly, that's nowhere near enough of an increase for me to consider them, to consider dropping them from a demon's detachment. They're just too points efficient and do too much too well uh, for me to drop them if I'm running demons. Um, they, they really shine, in my opinion, in front of the other uh, god-aligned troop choices. Uh, you know, blood letters hit, hit good in combat, but they got to get there. Same thing with demonettes. Um, Horrors are pretty decent, especially if you want to pay the reinforcement points to split them, but they get expensive doing it that way. I will say that Horrors, um, if you can put like a changeling next to them and get a six up feel no pain, that's some really good tech, man. Those really, um, they start to get durable when, you know, they're rocking like a three up or a four up in Vuln and a six up feel no pain and then splitting. Yeah, man, that's good tech. Check that stuff out. Um, TJ Lanigan was actually running a list like that, you know, before his fall from grace um, a couple of months back for cheating. But, uh, you know, I, I think that if you look up a TJ Lanigan list with uh, a lot of horrors in it, and I think Magnus and the Lord of Change is what he was running in there. That's some good tech. Um, you know, just don't cheat and you'll probably do all right with that list if you can kind of figure out how it works. I've run it before, actually, and I don't personally like it too much because I like a little bit more aggressive killy lists, but it's definitely something that has a lot of utility from the primary and secondary point of view. Uh, and you know what? I'm probably gonna jot down a note actually to talk about primaries and secondaries in a future episode. I don't think we'll get there today uh, because we got a lot of fucking shit to talk about. Anyhow, with that in mind, let's move on. A couple other standout units, Fiends of Slanesh. Fiends are also really great. Um, and they've been popping up a little bit less probably than the um, Beasts of Nurgle, but they're also really good for a couple of reasons. One, I believe they can move through walls, which is pretty tight, and then they can also lock things in combat. And so in a Slanesh army, or just a Demon's army, you have two units that are Mark of Slanesh that can do that. You've got the Fiends, um, and I believe it's a leadership role, uh, though I'd have to check and find my demons codex to do that but anyhow you can lock shit in combat and so can the uh, contorted epitome for that like cool mirror model um that came out like a year or two ago the mirror is also a psyker or contorted epitome is also a psyker i should say uh and it can lock things in combat along with you know like i said being a psyker having access to the slanesh um psychic tree which is pretty powerful and has a couple of really interesting spells uh, specifically, there's one, uh, I think it's called like Frenetic Hysteria or something like that. I could probably look this up if I was a good podcaster. Basically, it lets you fight like it was the fight phase. So you get access to a double fight that's out of phase, which again, like I said, with the Beast of Nurgle is super, uh, super powerful in ninth edition and something to look out at. Also, you know, one thing that we haven't been seeing uh, that I like a lot are screamers. Uh, these are like the uh, demonic manta rays that fly around. They're a, Z a Zinch unit. We don't see them a lot, um, but I'm not convinced that they're not good. I think they're about 20 points a model, so they're probably a little expensive, but they can fly over things and do mortal wounds. And then they have a damage two, uh, I think it's like strength six, AP neg two uh, attack. And you get like three or four attacks with them. Uh, and you know, that, that's gonna pop Marines. 
sure like power armor is not really um the meta right now like it was a couple of months ago but there's still a good amount of loyalist marines kind of bumbling around around out there and these daemonic rays these screamers of zinch can you know kind of pop up and fuck those guys plus they're great for engage on all fronts uh which did make its way into the uh grand tournament 2021 book um I wrote here that screamers are like fetch. I'm going to keep trying to make it happen. So there's a uh, Mean Girls reference for you guys. I'll try to work one of those into every episode. And then I'll start a sub-podcast about Mean Girls. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be exciting. So yeah, with demons, Slanesh is, in my mind, really the only pure faction that can stand on its own out of the current context. Um, the mileage, though, is going to vary player to player. Um, just like most of Chaos, Slanesh is very dependent on a well-thought-out, well-executed psychic and movement phase, and a lesser extent, a nicely played combat phase. Like I mentioned, um, there's that psychic power that gives Slanesh um, the ability to fight in the psychic phase, but it's only for one Slanesh unit, so you need to be smart about what you're doing with those units and where you're placing them. But again, you know, hey, if you look at these, uh, if you look at the competitive meta right now, ever so often a Slanesh player will, uh, you know, jump up and surprise win, which is great. Not so much though um, with Nurgle, Zinch, and Korn. I think Nurgle and Zinch competently contribute their own strengths into a soup list, really help take a list to the next level. But I don't actually see any mono builds from them doing particularly well right now. Could be rules and this also might very well be the logistics of it. Um, for example, with Zinch and splitting whores, you'd really have to buy a shitload of whores to do a uh, really effective like tar pit list with them. I should also say that, hey, everything I say is also just my opinion. Um, and I would love to be proved wrong by somebody going out and winning a tournament with a uh, mono Zinch list. So, hey, go out there and innovate and let me know about it and let me talk about it on this podcast and tell everyone how fucking wrong I am. I will love that. All right, anyhow, one, la one last thing for, um, well, actually two last things for demons. We've got corn. As a, as a faction, and it, it hurts me to say it, as a diehard corn and World Eaters fan, corn's really left in the dust. Um, right now, it, they, don't, they just don't really contribute more than like a 300.1 to 2 CP distraction Carnivex to any competitive list. That one to two CP distraction carnifex, of course, being an exalted bloodthirster. Now these guys can absolutely go in and fuck in combat, but like everyone knows what a bloodthirster does. It's very apparent what its use is, and it's very apparent what it's there to do. And so people are just gonna kill that thing. And you know, that does have utility. It can hopefully distract, you know, from your keepers of Slanesh that are excuse me, keepers of secrets. They're gonna run in there and do frankly a better job than what the corn model was going to do um so yeah it's kind of sad um I, I personally just don't think the corn really has a lot going for it right now hopefully that'll change in the new codex um i, I know there's a couple of like meme plays with deep striking 30 blood letters and i know that like some dude won a gt in australia a couple of months ago with like 150 blood letters people love talking about that but the thing is like frankly how many people do you know that have 150 blood letters i have 25,000 points of chaos in my display case looking at me right now and i do not have 150 blood letters 
I don't even know if I could source 150 blood letters because I'd have to find four other chaos idiots like me that have 30 blood letters to loan me. Like, yeah. So it's just kind of a, logistically a challenge. Maybe it's actually a fantastic list and that guy really, you know, has broken ninth edition and we all just don't know about it yet because it's easier to just play the Indominus box of Space Marines as a 2000 point army. But who knows? We're probably not going to find out. Cool. So that's kind of the current state of demons. Uh, yeah, next up, we're going to have Thousand Suns. Uh, I bet we're all super pumped for Thousand Suns and how fantastic they are. Hint, hint, that's a little bit of a joke. Sorry for the spoiler. They suck. But before we do that, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll get right back at it. All right, and we are back at it again. Sorry about that, guys. I had to go grab myself some aqua because it's just me here talking, running my suck, and my mouth is getting dry. So anyhow, we just did demons. Let's talk about Thousand Suns. Oh boy, Thousand Suns. These poor bastards. You know, sometimes a faction gets nerfed into the fucking dirt because it seems that GW wants to like punish them for some like imagined sin. Um, you know, there's this whole concept that like Chaos Space Marines themselves are still paying for the sins of 3.5, um, you know, six whole editions later. Um, that's, that just does not seem to be the case with Thousand Suns though. Um, you know, Thousand Suns real problem is just having an absolutely ancient codex. Um, when it came out, the Thousand Suns codex was fucking great. Uh, they were riding high with Magnus, mortal wounding Imperial scum and Xenos filth into oblivion, while his little buddies did the exact same thing. Um, but you know, then things started to change in very Zinchian fashion. Basically, all of the Thousand Suns' real problems came from Codex creep in late 8th edition, where armies basically started getting answers to them, uh, and then also directly from the switch over to 9th edition. Um, when 9th edition came around, Thousand Suns lost their... Um, I, I can't remember the name of the rule, but basically it was something in their codex that always allows them to smite on a warp charge of five roll. So to explain that, like I said, um, there's a rule that every time you cast a power uh, from a Psyker, with smite being the only power in match play that you can cast multiple times in a turn, the warp charge of that power increases by one. So five is where smite starts. Smite is a five warp charge cast um, spell. But every time you cast it, it goes up. So you smite once, it's five. Your second smite is six, your third smite is seven, etc. Up until you get to like, you know, 12, if you've got that many casts. So basically, Thousand Suns had a way to get around that where no matter how many times you cast smite, uh, it was only ever gonna be cast on a five, unless you meant excuse me, unless you manipulated through your stratagems what the cast was, and that only ever made it go down. So there's one called uh, shit, like uh, Catalytic Focus, is what it's called, where if your psychers within six inches of three other Thousand Sun psychers, they get a plus two to cast. The play there, of course, was to have a couple of dudes standing around Magnus, who's already plus two to cast. And so that makes him plus four to cast. Uh, so Magnus literally cannot fail a smite roll at that point. And then usually you're fishing for super duper smites with on 
which on Magnus is a 2d6 damage roll and is fucking spicy. But anyhow, I digress. Basically, Thousand Suns lost that at the beginning of ninth. I, I think it was fact or for, you know included in a frequently asked question document that GW likes to put out and just never came back. And so it, every time Thousand Suns tries to reliably mortal wound something, it gets harder every turn. Of course, that resets down to five at the start of your next turn. So combined with a lack of readily available anti-tank firepower outside of things like predators, which are that aren't that great, and you know the often maligned land raider, which really isn't that great. Um, you, you know, Thousand Suns really had its ability to remove big, bad, scary units from the board, and more importantly, remove units that just need to be removed. Um, it, it was a major hit to the damage output of Thousand Suns. Of course, in my opinion, of larger consequence, uh, what really happened is that um, the secondary missions that were introduced as part of the 2020 GT mission pack uh, that was part of chapter approved last year really punched the Sons of Magnus right in their red dicks. Um, first, Thousand Sons don't have faction-specific secondaries. You guys are going to hear me bitch and moan, complain about this ad infinitum for the rest of this podcast until every faction has secondaries. But, you know, any faction that doesn't have specific faction secondaries, which is most of the factions right now in June of 2021, they're at a distinct and easily defined disadvantage in competitive play because those faction secondaries give the factions that have them quite a bit of variance in what they can do with their list in easier ways to score. Also, on the faction, well, not even the faction, but just the secondaries note, there's two secondaries that are available to all factions that are direct and hard counters to Thousand Suns. Specifically, Assassinate and Abhor the Witch. I think those are still called that um, in the new GT book. I know there's a little bit of changing on uh, secondaries, and I'm going to do an episode on that later, but Assassinate and Abhor the Witch even if they change, the concept is still the same. Basically, assassinate, you get three points for every enemy character you kill, four points if that character is the warlord, and then a poor the witch, you get a good amount of points for killing psychic units. So, Thousand Suns, where pretty much everyone's a fucking psyker, that's a real problem for. So, if I take assassinate and a poor the witch and play, play against Thousand Suns, and I kill Armin, who's the warlord, I get four points for killing the warlord from assassinate and then an additional three points from a poor the witch because i killed a psychic character if i go over and then like kill a five man unit of rubrics guess what that's a psychic unit i think i get like one or two points i can't remember explicitly just for doing that and so thousand suns basically when you play against them if you're a smart savvy opponent that has some kill power in your army, which I personally think you should as an aggressive player, you are heavily incentivized to killing Thousand Suns characters and Psyker units. So like I've said, Rubrics, Terminators, Zengor Shamans, etc. Um, and that really hurts T-Suns because they need those characters to support their battle plans by casting spells for mortal wound output or buffs, having relics and warlord traits that buff those units that you brought. Um, you know, Rubric Marines, uh, which is very lore-friendly, are not fast. 
and of course Terminator Rupert Marines are super not fast. I think they're a five inch and four inch move respectively. Um, and so you need some jank to move those dudes around the table. And a lot of that jank comes from psychic powers or relics. And guess what? Only your characters have access to a lot of those. So Dark Matter Crystal, for example, is a fantastic relic. You can basically pick up and move a unit once per game. Same thing with Cult of Duplicity. They have a spell that does that, and I think a Warlord trait and maybe even a Stratagem. Uh, but basically it's movement jank that lets you, you know, fucking jump all around the board even though you're slow. If you kill the characters, which should be your win condition if you're playing against Thousand Sons, that Thousand Sons army is shut down because the character's gone. They can't do their shit. <laughs> so, simply put, the GT mission pack makes Thousand Sons too easy to score secondaries against. Um, you know, just by scoring those secondaries, you're directly impacting uh, and harming the ability of the Thousand Suns player to score primary points. And primaries and secondaries, of course, are both worth 45 points. You know, primaries should always be your primary objective. That's why they're called that. But, you know, it, Thousand Suns are just a fucking punching bag against. Um, I, I will say that Thousand Suns were showing up very frequently in competitive lists, um, but it was only in a support role. For instance, Armin. He was taken a lot. Like my buddy Mark Perry takes Armin, or took Armin, I should say, pretty consistently in his Heretic Astartes armies, just because he gets that one plus cast uh, on all psychic powers. Um, and usually the way that Mark and I have been using that is for warp time. You get that turn one warp time on someone like, gee, I don't know, Mortarian or a similar similar wrecking ball to just yeet into the enemy lines and really ruin their day. Because if Mortarian's in combat with you on round one, he's gonna delete at least one unit every single turn until you deal with him. And guess what? You might not be able to deal with them when he's putting out that much damage. Anyhow, this all went away in the most recent uh, fact that GW put out, specifically due to the loss of cross-legion warp time. So what I mean by that, and I've kind of given an example of it, but I'll be more explicit about it. I can't take Armin, who is a Thousand Suns character, he's keyword Thousand Suns, and cast warp time on a Chaos Space Marine unit that has a different legion keyword. So Mortarian has a different legion keyword. He is a Death Guard unit. So, yeah, Armin can't, you know, warp time other units. Um, you know, so pour one out for the homies on that one. When that happened, I literally had to go into Battlescribe and delete seven different lists that all revolved around yeeting other, you know, big tank units into the enemy lines or throwing them somewhere via warp time to go do something. Um, I guess it's also worth noting that word bearers were also really filling that role up until recently and are similarly booked. Um, I actually want to go in and do a, a deep dive on word bearers because I think, uh, you know, aside from the support patrol that they were mostly taken in for that uh, warp time, I, I think that they do actually have play. But we'll talk about that at a later time. So, yeah, that's the doom and the gloom. Um, I, I want to be, you know, I, my intent is for this show to be a little bit more positive overall as a podcast. And so we'll try to get away from like crying about like what GW's done. Uh, Cause generally I, I think that they're actually doing a great job in ninth edition. 
so yeah anyhow diversion let's talk about what could be going well um you know if death guard is any indication thousand suns are about to be fucking great um you know the the clouds have parted and we can see uh, a psychic ray of sunshine coming through them at this point games workshop did just tease thousand suns and gray knights um and so you know those codexes are coming uh, I, I'd assume they're going to arrive maybe on the same day or within the same month. Hopefully, Grey Nuts, Grey Knights are not too hard of a counter to Thousand Suns. Uh, right now, they're a fucking brutal counter to almost anything Chaos. Actually, they um, unless it's been changed, then it may have. I, it's been a while since I played against Grey Knights, but basically, if, if you have a demon keyword unit, uh, Grey Knights can give a flat four smite against that unit, which is real rough. Um, I played against that once at a tournament with like this soup list that had Magnus and a bunch of like uh, fucking Lord Discordants running around and it, it was just a bad day. I got tabled in like turn three, very sad. But anyhow, <laughs> hopefully, you know, let, let's just hope that Grey Knights are okay and fucking Thousand Suns are Drakari levels of broken and strong. I, I doubt that they will be, and honestly, um, I don't want that because that kind of faction dominance is bad for the metal meta overall. But I am hoping that they are at about the same level as Death Guard. Um, Death Guard is actually going to be who I talk about next, but I do have one more little thing, um, just keeping with the format of the show for Thousand Suns, and that's our standouts. Um, honestly, they're a little bit limited here for the faction. I think that Armin is still an absolute champ. Um, you know, he, he's a bargain. I think he's in the 160, 170 range on points. Um, and he gets that plus one to cast. He, he does, you know, he got nerfed with the um, change to Cross Legion spells, specifically warp time. But that doesn't mean that old uh, Ajak Araman can't still put out some serious mortal wounds. Um, so don't shelve him just yet. If you're still playing Thousand Suns, which, you know, more power to you and good for you for sticking with it, um, absolutely keep taking arm. And Magnus, I, I also feel, is an absolute must-take at this point. Um, he is your big, red, scary son of a bitch, and he can really shit out mortal wounds in combat. I mean, excuse me, in the psychic phase, and do pretty well in uh, combat, especially if you take Death Hex with him and turn off someone's invuln. That sword is doing some damage, my friends. Um, I think Rupert Marines are a really solid troop choice, but I do think that they're better in other legions, honestly. Uh, there is a meme list that I'm thinking of with Nightlords that uses Rubric Marines um, as a super tar pit. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk more about soup in later episodes. We're going to have like a, a soup line episode. That's terrible. That's a bad joke. I feel bad. I'm not going to cut it out, though. I said it. Anyhow, Rubrics. Yeah, they can actually do a pretty surprising amount of damage because their bolters are AP neg 2. Um, and so you can give them Veterans of the Long War while that still exists. And then um, uh, with Ruse, like, so use Veterans of the Long War, deep strike them with Resin Rubrique, have them pop up in front of some son of a bitch, uh, and then shoot them twice with um, Infernal Fusillades, which is a stratagem from Ritual of the Damned. That one's pretty fantastic, um, especially if you get some psychic support in there, like Prescience and uh, a character around for reroll ones. Uh, yeah, they will fucking delete something, and you'll be a happy panda for that. So yeah, um, of course, um, 
That's about it, though, honestly, for Thousand Suns. Uh, they're not fantastic, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But hopefully, you know, like I said, golden ray of psychic sunshine come through the clouds. Hopefully they'll be better. All right, cool. So that's it. We did it for Thousand Suns. We are going to take another break. This one, I'm going to pop an ad in for our good friends at Anchor. Um, yeah, so stick around. We're going to go to Death Card next. All right, thanks. All right, and we're back. I appreciate you guys listening to that ad. Uh, you know, ads aren't always the best thing, but hey, they uh, help keep the lights on around here. Like I said, um, you know, this is not my full-time job and any money that I can make from it goes directly right back into the show. So again, I appreciate it, guys. Anyhow, just did Thousand Sons and Demons and uh, now that we're fresh off that ad break, let's talk about everyone's favorite fart boys, the Death Guard. So, Death Guard, the Sons of Mortarian. I don't remember what Legion number they are, but they are the current Golden Boys of the Super Faction, in my humble opinion. Um, Death Guard are similar to Demons in that they can, as a mono codex, win tournaments by themselves. Um, and, of course, those are tournaments uh, kind of at the grand tournament and major level. So, some serious competition from other factions coming. Uh, you know, my opinion at an RTT any given Saturday, any codex can come in and win a tournament. Really depends on the players there, the uh, competence of the pilot of the list. Um, yeah, and you know, just anything can happen. That kind of goes away though, in a, you know, a big two day tournament, like a grand tournament or a major. Um, and you really have to rely on strength of codex combined with, of course, you know, the competence of the player and the overall list build, but that strength of codex really helps in a GT setting. Anyhow, you know, like I, like I was saying, uh, I'd rank them up there with demons um, in the overall shit pile of uh, codexes. I'd probably put them at a B plus or an A minus. Um, they're not the best, but they certainly have quite a bit of depth within the codex. Um, you know, fortunately, Death Guard have been given a very well tuned and intelligently put together codex that has quite a few different list archetypes that seem to be viable from it. You know, I think the first archetype that's worth mentioning is the uh, basically Mort Mortarian list. Um, for It's Death Guard with Mortarian. The only real qualifier to be within this archetype is that you have Mortarian there. Usually that's, you know, like I said, Mortarian. Um, and then uh, a battalion of boys. Basically, you're going to have like a Lord of Contagion, maybe a Demon Prince or another caster in there, another Psychic. Uh, to uh, get some buffs off on Mortarian if he's not buffing himself. Um, two to three units of Poxwalkers seems pretty standard. Like two 10-mans and a 20-man. Uh, That'll let you um, do Spread the Sickness as a secondary. And my guide, guys, Spread the Sickness is one of the best secondaries in the game, in my opinion. That shit's fucking easy, depending upon what mission you've rolled out. Definitely check it out if you're not aware of it. But yeah, so... You got Morty, maybe a Lord of Contagion, probably not Typhus, um, a caster, like a sorcerer of some kind. One unit, uh, one to two units of Plague Marines, if necessary, just for some more OPSEC. Two to three units of Poxwalkers, and then your Terminators are going to come in. The Death Guard Terminators are fucking fantastic. Like, these are the standouts um, in a codex full of standouts. Um, Death Shroud are, are great. You know, these guys are durable. Um, they are blenders in close combat. 
um, maybe not blenders, just, you know, scythes, like big one hit monsters that just pick shit up. Uh, Blight Lords are also really good. They don't tend to do a ton of damage. Um, most of the people I know that run these with some success only run them with bolters, um, or combi bolters, I should say. And so that's not picking up a lot of stuff, but it's some chip damage. And again, just like the Death Shroud, Terminators, and pretty much every other part of this list, they are frustrating as fuck to try to pick up off the table, man. Um, I ran a Lord of Skulls list, um, a couple of months ago. So three Lord of Skulls that were all souped up and, you know, super efficient and all that good shit. And I had a hard time picking up Death Guard Terminators with that list. So, you know, if you're playing against Death Guard, don't underestimate how much firepower and combat power you need to put into a single unit to move them. And if you are playing Death Guard, you know, I, I'd honestly say get aggressive with your movement because your durability really can help mitigate uh, mistakes and it can be forgiving just because you know it's so much harder to pick your dudes up what what with a you know good invulns some limited access to feel no pains and that damage one that reducing damage by one across your most of your uh, heretic astartes your marines that's really fucking fantastic so anyhow that's the um mortarian archetype there, there's another big archetype um, which is basically just not Mortarian in your list. This one I honestly haven't seen too much. Um, usually it splits into um, either the Terminist Est detachment from the most recent Book of Rust. Um, I, I haven't seen that in my local meta, but from what I understand, it's basically Poxwalker spam. Um, tell me if I'm wrong about that. And again, you know, I'd love to eat crow on the show. Um, honestly, I, I like the concept of this, what would keep striking Plague Marines. It seems fun. I'm not sure if it really stands up on the table, but I've actually done enough death card that I can do whatever the fuck I want with them. Um, so I should really start um, theory crafting on that and see what I can do. And then I, I, I think that the other you know archetype there outside of Mortarian is just kind of unnamed characters uh, and then the rest your shit. Um, one of the special things that pops out in my head is um, Don Hoosen, uh, you know, the Mastodon, as I believe he calls himself, um, did a pretty damn good job with a uh, Death Guard Demon Engine list at a recent major. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember which one it is. It might have been in Austin, Texas. Uh, so sorry, Mastodon, can't remember. But um, if you look it up on, if you look up Don Hoosen's name uh, on BCP, you'll definitely find it. It was a list that I believe relied pretty heavily on Mephitic Blight Haulers, which were fantastic in 8th edition, but haven't really seen much competitive play in 9th edition. Um, honestly, because GW really pushed the focus of the Death Guard Codex right back onto the infantry models. Of course, Mortarian, because he's a goddamn babe in this edition. But um, yeah, so you haven't seen it a lot, but you know, there's... There's room in that codex for innovative builds with stuff that people don't think is going to do well, like a bunch of damn demon engines rolling around farting, shooting multi-meltas into people's faces on the lists. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, each of these archetypes has competitive possibility, and it's a real credit to the often maligned Games Workshop rules team that those codex, that this codex at least, has the depth to support that kind of variance in list construction and play. Um, you know, as a brief departure, it really seems like this is kind of the path that Games Workshop is on right now for 9th edition codices. Um, Death Guard has different ways of playing. It seems like Admech is going to be like the thickest, like, master's degree of a book 
that they've put out. Like there's a lot of different ways to run that. Drakari are a little bit more, um, I guess, monochromatic or singular in how you would uh, describe their list builds. But even with the recent fact that kind of brought in some of their more egregious um, excesses, it, it seems like, you know, th there might be different ways of playing Drakari. And so hopefully, you know, that that's something that continues. Hopefully we have the opportunity to have these codices that serve as a blank canvas for us to be innovative players, especially within chaos. Because I know that I'm super di digressing right now, but one of the things I do truly love about this super faction is that right now, like from eighth edition onward, you know, in this relatively short time frame that we're talking about, it's really allowed the player um, controlling and building the list to come up with truly innovative concepts and ways of making their army work uh, in janky ways that you wouldn't expect. Now, that's not something that Marines have right now. Marines have very boring standard builds. And that's no offense, you know, to the guys that are playing Imperial Marines. If that's your shit, that's your shit, dude. Get high on it. I don't care. That's awesome. You know, it's good stuff that you found it. But, you know, with a, with a few, you know, kind of skew lists out there, Notwithstanding, Marines have very kind of formulaic lists. Like there's going to be some blade guards. You're going to have your pocket eradicators that are going to get deep struck and delete something, uh, you know, when they come in and maybe live for a turn and do it again. Um, you're going to have your plasma scepters that are going to drop down. Maybe some assault intercessors, some couple of those little inceptor dudes. I don't know. They've all got IN names, so they start getting hazy in my head. But, you know, the deep striking troops going to have some of those. Maybe a couple other things that are flavored by whatever um, whatever subcodex, subfaction, or supplement you're bringing. Um, but really, there, there's just like not a lot of variance. Chaos really gives us the chance to do that, and that's part of the reason that I fucking love this faction. Like I said. Also, you know, kind of bringing it back to Death Card, it really does give me a lot of hope for the future of Ninth Edition. Um, you know, I'll be frank, COVID's really ticked the dog on the release schedule. But as a grown-ass man, I'm not going to get all pissy and bitch and moan about a company being impacted by a global uh -huh. pandemic and shipping nightmare. I recognize that it's, you know, really fucked shit up across the board for a lot of people and Games Workshop isn't immune from that. And so, yeah, our release schedule's been a little shitty and it's not quite where we had hoped it to be this far in the ninth edition. But hey, the future does look bright, in my opinion. All right, cool. So that's Death Guard. I know that I didn't cover them too much or go into too much depth, um, but you know, frankly, guys, that information's out there. You can find more information on Death Card. It's readily available. And I would definitely suggest that you do that if you're looking to improve your game. All right, cool. So next up, Knights. All right, so Chaos Knights. First of all, sign me the fuck up. Chaos Knights have, uh, in my opinion, some of the coolest iconography and imagery in the whole game. Like each codex uh, near the front of it, uh, near the front of the book, has a page that it, it's like a title page almost. So it has like, you know, the title of the book. So Codex Chaos Knights and some artwork for the faction with a tagline. And for Chaos Knights, that artwork is one fucking cool, but it's really the tagline that got me. And that tagline is Honor Through Annihilation. Like, fucking cue the heavy metal music right now. Fuck yeah. Sign me up, like I said. Move my ass into a night cockpit, and let's reap some souls. So aside from having, you know, fucking, you know, cool imagery associated with them and great models, like really top, 
I mean, just top of the line models, in my opinion. Um, they also have, you know, really cool lore, awesome model names, you know, a Knight Despoiler, hell yeah, Knight Tyrant, yes. And just generally being a fucking awesome concept. Chaos Knights, um, unfortunately, are not by themselves as a faction fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, just like their Imperial cousins, Chaos Knights suffer from two things. The first one is being a meta that remembers the Castellan list, Knight Castellan list, that is, from editions past. Um, and, uh, you know, basically being a meta that hasn't left its anti-tank and knight toys at home just yet. Um, that's also, you know, number two, have a stunning lack of objective secured available to them. Uh, there is a warlord trait that gives your warlord um, objective secured and allows it to count for 10 models with objective secured. But the easy way around that for your opponent is just to kill that warlord in round one. And guess what? You've got some serious problems on your hands right now if they play correctly. Knights, um, you know, in general, Chaos Knights included uh, with the Imperial Boys, just are, are, are very easy to outmaneuver. You need to be a very competent player to run Knights correctly. Um, and that takes a lot of work, unfortunately. Um, having had said that, I do think that Chaos Knights have some serious surprise potential along with Imperial Knights. Um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a uh, Rogue Trader tournament, an RTT, here in Jacksonville that John Lennon came to. Um, I can't remember if he won the damn thing, but did very well running Imperial Knights. Um, in fact, it was funny. We had three Knights players and then myself running Triple Lord of Skulls and a guy that brought, I think it was a Fellblade to the tournament. So it was kind of the surprise Lord of War meta for, you know, 10 hours in a game store. Um, but yeah, you know, a good player can win with these guys is what I'm saying. It's just like playing on hard mode. Kind of like Chaos Space Marines that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just um, they, they don't have the inherent rules available to them as part of their codex design to make them good. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say that um, getting custom households um, in Engine War really took what's basically a pamphlet codex and made it into a real book. There's one that's called Dark Forging, especially, that's really fun. That lets you reroll variable hits, like variable shots, I should say. So if you've got, like, a Thermal Cannon that's D6 shots, and you roll it two with one of those, uh, you can reroll that. And so you could have a possibility of up to 12 shots coming from a Thermal Cannon, and that's a lot of damage, my buddies. Um, that That's the kind of thing that could kill Mortarian. Um, in a single turn if the dice went in your favor. And if you take three knights like that, then it's, uh, you know, the possibility of 36 shots, just like that. Um, and so that's pretty fantastic. There's also a couple of other really great custom household traits um, that make Chaos Knights a little bit more viable. But honestly, you know, there's a reason you're not seeing Knights Renegades um, winning tournaments. Uh, they, they suffer from the same problems as all night armies do. They're just big boys that are easy to kill and therefore give up secondaries on things like Titan Hunter and bring it down. Um, Again, they don't have OPSEC, so primaries are an issue. And having primaries as an issue is big bad, big thumbs down. But again, I I fucking love Chaos Knights and my hope for the future is that they're going to be fantastic. Cool. All right, so I'm not going to take a break this time because we're getting to the end of our content and we're also looking at a little bit longer of a show than I expected. Um, And so we're going to try to hurry it on up. So 
Chaos Space Marines, everybody's favorite or least favorite, depending upon how wrong you are. Um, that is to say that you should like Chaos Space Marines. So first of all, I, I am going to start Whispers in the Warp next week, um, which is going to be kind of our recurring news update segment. But I cannot not mention that Forge World just showed us today a brand new Argel Tall model. Um, if you don't know your lore too well, Argel Tall was kind of the, the first possessed Chaos Space Marine. And he was also in a serious bromance with my boy, Captain Karn of the 8th Assault Company from the World Eaters. Um, some really great stuff in the lore there. Definitely want you guys to look up stuff like um, Betrayer and the First Heretic if you haven't already read them. Aaron Dimsky Bowden is the shit and is the best black library writer, in my opinion. So definitely check that out if you guys haven't read it. Anyhow, new Argel Tall model. Holy shit, can't wait. Hype level a million. I am 100% going to be buying it. Um, I don't currently play the Horus Heresy game, but I don't give a fuck. Um, that model, of course, is for Horus Heresy, but the fantastic thing about these Heresy models from Forge World is that you can use them in Warhammer 40,000. Of course, they're not really one-for-one one models, and so if you are bringing 30k models to a gamer tournament, I'd say it's really a best, uh, it's a good idea and a best practice to clear it with your opponent or the tournament organizer beforehand. I, I can't imagine you having an issue with someone not wanting you to bring like stand-in models that are usually extremely close to the 40k um the the 40k model that you're going to be proxying for but those people do exist um and if you bump into them and they say no you can't bring cacophony to be noise to be noise marines then one they suck two you shouldn't play them and three if they're a to their tournament's going to be bad you should win it and then you should never play at any of their tournaments again so keep that in mind um yeah but you know like i said i i very much doubt that any good hobbyist is going to have a serious issue with this model showing up as like a a demon prince or a greater possessed a master of possession a chaos lord anything you know again like i said I, i'm gonna have like three of these um painted up to different legions I actually made a joke about it to one of my buddies earlier today that at this rate with uh, how Games Workshop is releasing great models that aren't Chaos Space Marines for 40k, I'm going to have like 15 stand-in Demon Princes. Um, the last one I got was Siegwald the Magnificent, um, and he is an Emperor's Children Demon Prince now and sits happily in my display case doing excessive things. Also, um, to celebrate this auspicious occasion with the Argel Tall release, I'm officially going to rename the desk that I am sitting at right now the Argel Tall Memorial News Desk. Um, and so, uh, basically, all news from Vox Demonicus is now going to flow through this font, honoring our homie Argel Tall and forever maligning that son of a bitch Erebus that killed him. Spoiler alerts, by the way. Sorry, guys. The book's been out for 10 years. My bad. Um, yeah, Erebus, real son of a bitch, that guy. We hate him because we hate him. He's kind of the only guy with the Astartes keyword that uh, has ever actually really won, if you think about it, because, man, look at what he was able to do. All right, cool. Well, I wish he had a 40K model, too, and then we could really get into word bearers. Anyhow, so a fun departure from a sad reality with um, Argel Tall because the reality around the current state of pure chaos space marines is that we are fucking trash right now guys um and you know that's coming from a guy that loves running pure chaos space marines so much that he started a fucking podcast about it um so yeah outside of cult troops um 
those being your Plague Marines, Rubrics, Berserkers, and Noise Marines, our troop choices fucking suck. Um, cultists, you know, can screen and stand on objectives and like do actions, but they die to a stiff breeze and they're, they're still overcosted. Like, honestly, cultists should be three fucking points a model. I, it, it makes no sense to me why a guardsman is about the same price. Like, it's just stupid, in my opinion. And then, if you look at our Chaos Space Marines, compare them to a Firstborn Marine. Absolute garbage. The only thing that we have going for us in the Chaos Space Marine versus Firstborn non-Primaris Marine debate is that we're slightly cheaper, I believe. Um, we're still one wound a whole fucking year later um, after GW gave the Firstborns two wounds. We don't have access to like 15 different special rules that your standard Firstborn has, so like... Things like, and they shall know no fear, doctrines, super doctrines, this, that, and the other, a ton of different stuff. And we still don't have faction secondaries. I said earlier that I'm going to harp on that constantly until everyone has them. But it's a major issue. Again, if a faction does not have its own faction secondaries, it is at a distinct disadvantage in competitive play in Warhammer 40,000. Yeah, so, I mean, that's like kind of where we stand. If you don't believe me, you know... Go find me a pure space marine, like a pure chaos space marine list that won a GT in the last year. And then go find me another one. And then another one after that, because I guarantee you there's not three. There's probably one out there. So, you know, I'll, like I said, eat a crow and admit that I was wrong on the next show if someone can point one out to me. But I mean, there are no pure lists that are out there consistently winning in the fashion of space marines or Drakari or soon to be Admech or, you know, for a brief moment, Death Guard. It's just never happened because our ancient 8th edition codex doesn't have the means with which uh, a Chaos Space Marine player can consistently win at a high level. You can definitely do some jank um, and you can definitely soup. And I think that those are really the only ways that we have a chance of doing well as a pure Chaos Space Marine list. Um, and so, like, honestly, if you want to win with Chaos Space Marines, don't worry about going pure. Like, don't just play Emperor's Children. Don't just do World Eaters. Don't just do Night Lords. Do a combination, man. Take two or three different uh, legions and separate detachments in your army. For example, I mentioned two of them already. An Emperor's Children patrol with Noise Marines doing shooting duties, maybe some Oblitz, but I think they're too expensive. And then some World Eaters in a battalion with Karn and some Rhinos for running forward and killing shit. So what's great about a list like that is that it capitalizes on the Berserkers and Noise Marines, each being objective secure troop choices for each of the sub-factions. Um, so you're maximizing the points that you're getting out of them as troops to fill out like a battalion or a patrol, whatever form it should take. And they're also effective at killing things and standing on objectives and holding those objectives. So you've got, you know, like seven or eight OPSEC units that are there that are very lethal and can be boosted up to very high levels of damage at certain points throughout the game with proper character, spell, and stratagem support. And so that, those are the kinds of things that as a Chaos Space Marine player, you really have to dive in and look for. Um, and especially too, like if you want to start going cross-faction and doing like real soup lists, like demons and Death Guard or demons and knights or knights and Chaos Space Marines, etc. You know, whatever, whatever combination suits your fancy. It's really fun, you know, within the faction right now to go in and try to find those synergies and find out what's the best at doing this specific function how can I fit it into my list? And then how does it 
you know, really enable the rest of my list. And so, yeah, cool. I mean, I know that I went real off the rails there talking about Chaos Space Marines, but frankly, there's not a lot outside of a true deep dive um, to really, uh, you know, go crazy on them. I, I, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm 100% going to do deep dives on every single one of the legions, and hopefully I'll be able to get those out before the Chaos Space Marine Codex comes out. And that's more of a comment on me being good at doing this as opposed to the Chaos Space Marine Codex coming out. Because frankly, I'd love for it to come out right fucking now because I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, cool. So there we go. That's kind of a a quick go over. It's going to be about an hour, so not too quick. Um, But I guess kind of a quick review of where the super faction of Chaos currently stands today in Warhammer 40,000. Overall, you know, I think we're doing well as a group, but we do have some serious stinkers. Um, Knights, Chaos, Space Marines, and Thousand Suns, unfortunately, just aren't quite where we want them to be. Hopefully that'll change, though. Um, And, you know, I I know that I bitched a little bit throughout the course of this this, uh, podcast episode, so I appreciate you guys sticking with me if you have so far. Um, I do want this to be a positive podcast, of course, so... I'm going to try not to dwell on what isn't great as we move forward with the show and really celebrate the things that are. And I think one of those things is certainly our community. As I said in the first episode, or at least alluded to, I I really do love the community that surrounds Warhammer 40,000. The vast majority of my friends I have because we met playing Warhammer. I'm a 33-year-old man and I'm comfortable admitting that. Um, I love the people that I play with and I love the community. And the whole purpose of this is really to drive that community and hopefully to enrich it and offer something new and exciting to people um, of the chaos persuasion of course but you know we welcome our friends from the other factions just know that we're going to chain x you very shortly um yeah but so i guess that's it guys just closing out this episode i want to say thank you again for sticking with me and coming back if you're a repeat listener meaning that you've listened to two whole episodes good for you um, I think we're going to be looking at doing a uh, Whispers in the Warp update next week. And then I'm probably also going to do uh, another two-episode week next week. I've got a new episode idea or a new episode archetype idea, I guess, called The Road to War. I didn't talk about it um, on the last episode because I hadn't thought about it yesterday, but I thought about it today. Basically, that's going to be a review of the list that I am taking to a tournament. So these will be semi-infrequently because I only get to go to about one tournament a month. Um, but basically, here's my list. Here's what I think it does. What are my problems going to be? How do I think I'm going to do? And then in the next Whispers from the Warp, I'll tell you how I did. Um, so yeah, going to a team tournament with five games with World Eaters here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so look forward to more on that here in the next couple of days or in a week, definitely by next Friday, which is, uh, excuse me, September. Holy shit. No, it's not June 18th. So yeah, cool guys. All right. Well, Hey, again, I've said it a million times. I'll keep saying it. I fucking appreciate the shit out of you guys. Don't have the Facebook page up. It's going to happen, but you can message me, you know, on Facebook, if you know me or here, uh, through anchor and Spotify, Happy to take your comments, happy to take your criticisms, always looking to improve the show. And I appreciate you guys sticking around. So I hope life's going for you well, guys. Death to the false emperor.